Good evening. Trump gets a reprieve from a Trump appointee. Labor Day in New York. Amazon workers and others march through the city. And a cop slaps a teen in Harlem. As the mayor admits, coastal resiliency may have been a bad idea. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Monday, September 5th, 2022. Former President Donald Trump won a legal victory today. United States District Judge Eileen Cannon granted his request for a special master to review documents seized by the FBI from Mar-a-Lago. The judge's decision halts the Justice Department's use of the records for investigative purposes. Cannon, nominated by Trump in 2020, has signaled she was inclined to support a special master. The order came after strong objections by the Justice Department. The department has not said it will appeal the decision, although some documents seized in an FBI raid of Trump's home last month may eventually be returned. The judge didn't immediately suppress any of the evidence collected. FBI agents in August seized roughly 11,000 documents and 1,800 other items from Mar-a-Lago as part of a criminal investigation into the retention of national defense information there, as well as into efforts to obstruct the probe. About 100 of the documents contain classification markings. Meanwhile, during a speech in Wilkes-Barre, a city in the battleground state of Pennsylvania, Trump asserted a widely circulated photo showing top-secret markings on a pile of documents seized at his home was staged. It's a disgrace, a disgrace like possibly never before. Our country's never seen anything like it. They talk about documents not being properly stored, yet they go in and take documents, dump them on the floor, stage a photo shoot, and pretend that I had done it like I had put them all over the floor. They took that back after a lot of prodding. Then they put out for public consumption, a picture which is seen all over the world. This is what they do. It's called disinformation. These are very dishonest, sick people. Very dishonest people. Trump, in the same speech, went on to blast the search of his home as entirely political, blasting the judge who signed the search warrant, who has been subject to numerous threats since. Getting permission from a highly political magistrate who they handpicked late in the evening, just days before the break-in, and trampled upon my rights and civil liberties as if our country that we love so much were a third world nation. We're like a third world nation. They rifled through the First Lady's closet drawers and everything else. And even did a deep and ugly search of the room of my 16-year-old son. leaving everything they touched in far different condition than it was when they started. Can you believe it? The FBI and the Justice Department have become vicious monsters controlled by radical left scoundrels, lawyers, and the media who tell them what to do, you people right there, and when to do it. Today, President Biden responded, saying not every Republican is a MAGA Republican, but singled out those who have taken Trump's Make America Great Again campaign cry to dangerous or hateful lengths. Biden added, 
Together we can and we must choose a different path forward, a future of unity and hope. We're going to choose to build a better America. And closer to home, it was a joyful blaze of music, food, and color as New York City's massive West Indian Day Parade returned today for the first time since the start of the COVID pandemic. Thousands of revelers lined Brooklyn's Eastern Parkway for the Labor Day event as marchers clad in colorful painted costumes wound their way through Crown Heights to Marc Chauvert, the annual celebration of the city's West Indian communities. Past parades have been marred by violence, but Mayor Eric Adams said no shootings were reported associated with the celebrations this weekend. He walked with violence interrupters who search out and defuse conflicts before they can escalate. But another group of New Yorkers marked Labor Day in a more traditional fashion, protesting in support of workers' rights. Amazon Labor Union President Chris Smalls led a thousand protesters from the West Village to the home of billionaire Amazon founder Jeff Bezos at 25th Street and Broadway, and then to Times Square. Longtime labor activist and a leader of the Workers' World Party, Larry Holmes, says a new generation of Amazon, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's workers are stepping up to inspire the labor movement. I'm here because this is the best way to celebrate Labor Day, to have these young workers who are leading this brave and groundbreaking struggle, both at Starbucks and Amazon's. You know, there's an older, more traditional labor movement, and they're good for a lot of things, but frankly, they have a lot of issues. And they're not in a position to really break new ground in organizing young workers. And so this is sort of the alt-labor movement. Hopefully, they'll work together, but that will be possible if the older, more traditional tied to the Democratic Party, labor movement does not try to take this movement over, but instead has the practical and political sense to support it. And a group of raging grannies were on the march too, supporting the young workers. It's a crime against the young people, what's happening now. It's so hard for them and they're so courageous and they're standing up and taking risks and risking their jobs and risking their families and their food on the table and housing and everything else. Okay. What's your name? Going. And my name's Alice, Alice Durham-Sutter. Meanwhile, on Friday, a federal labor board rejected Amazon's attempt to stop thousands of workers in New York City from unionizing at the retailer Staten Island Warehouse, one of the largest in the United States. New York Governor Kathy Hochul missed an opportunity to sign a law passed in Albany to protect the rights of warehouse workers. The Amazon Labor Union was established more than a year ago. In April, the Staten Island Warehouse workers became the first unionized Amazon workers to be recognized by the NLRB. Amazon Labor Union President Chris Smalls started the union push at Amazon's JFK 8 warehouse in Staten Island. He was fired by Amazon two years ago for helping workers organize a walkout during the COVID-19 pandemic. Chris Smalls spoke with the news this afternoon. We never had this much support, so this is the most support we ever seen and, and harnessed together. So it was a beautiful thing to see working class people come 
travel from different parts of the country just to spend a few hours with us. That means a lot to these workers, especially these Amazon workers that are still employed. But you're not recognized yet. What's happened there? What's really going on with Amazon? What happened? Well, it's a company, you know, that's this, that's how corporations are. They're not going to recognize these unions. They know that having a union is power. And of course, they don't want that. Amazon hasn't been unionized in 28 years. So, you know, it's up to us to change that. Well, how did it begin? It began with you getting fired, then a movement starting, then a vote happened, and then what happened there? Why wasn't it recognized? We won in court. Certification has to come, but we won our court case. And uh, we just have to wait and see what the what the final verdict is from the regional director. But since then we've seen, these are the young workers. You know, I was talking to an older worker. This is amazing, it's a new generation. It is, it's a new generation and people have to wake up and really get involved. You know, the time is now. Don't quit your job, organize. What can we do? Don't quit your job, organize. Yeah. And, what does that mean? And follow, follow the support that we are doing on the ground. We need, uh, we need help, we need strike funds. We have a donation up. AmazonLaborUnion.org and, and just reach out, get involved, you know. What do you think is going to come of this, all this new movement? This is the revolution, man. That's, you know, this hasn't been done in decades and what we're doing is unprecedented. You're never going to see organized labor the way it's been seen before after this. And, you know, we all are part of that right now. Black and white, I mean, they used to play black and white workers against each other. What's happening now that's different? Oh, and this is inter intergenerational intersectional we don't look at color we don't look at politics we don't look at racial divide we're all working class people from all walks of life all different backgrounds and cultures and you can take a look around you can take a look at the alu we represent all of that the governor what do you want what would you say to governor Oakland right now sign the bill are we going to be at your doorstep why would you do that do you think she got she got somebody next to her that These lobbying for amazon Democrats, you know what do you think of them yeah they got their pockets in amazon pockets so we got to call that shit out, and we got to put it to an end, even the government. Chris Smalls is president of the Amazon Labor Union. Amazon has until September 16th to appeal the NLRB decision. And another workplace battling young union organizers is hipster supermarket chain Trader Joe's. Unions have been winning organizing drives in the Midwest as workers have been filing numerous unfair labor practice complaints. The company recently hired a union-busting law firm. In New York City, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union filed charges alleging that Trader Joe's abruptly closed a wine shop in New York City just days before workers had planned to file for a union election. The president of the Trader Joe's Union is Jamie Edwards. Uh, I'm Jamie Edwards, president of Trader Joe's uh, United Local 1. So we've won our election, and right now we're still awaiting bargaining to begin. Um, at this point, we're waiting for our um, request of information to be um, answered. And while we're waiting on that, the company has been uh, putting up propaganda in our break rooms, trying to demonize people, mentioning uh, organizers by name, and saying that we want people's personal information for something that's a very run-of-the-mill practice when beginning no negotiations. So there's, there's definitely been a lot of um, an attempt to, like, personally target us and um, make it open season for harassment towards us. Yeah, but Trader Joe's has this reputation of being like cool. What, what happened? Yeah, that's actually a big part of it that makes it funny. Um, the company has this reputation of being this very worker-friendly, progressive company. But like as we've seen throughout this whole process, it's nothing more than a, than a branding exercise. When we actually see that workers are trying to organize, they're willing to, to like uh, do any trick in the book in order to stop that.
but it wasn't enough and we've won our victory and I think it's going to keep spreading throughout other Trader Joe's. What kind of help can people who are you know, supporting the union, what message for them do you have? The workers are the ones who ultimately have the power when we're organized. Like none of these businesses can function without our labor. So like when we're just like single individuals, they have that power, but we have the ability to turn that around. And I think that's um, something we should take advantage of. Jamie Edwards is president of the Trader Joe's Union. The founder of Amazon is Jeff Bezos. He's worth over $168 billion. And one of his many properties is a West 25th Street penthouse worth well over $100 million. The Labor Day rally marched up Fifth Avenue and gathered to hear speeches at his front door. One of the speakers was Tina Brown, whose sister, Pushan Brown, was assigned to Amazon's COVID-19 testing team at a warehouse in Springfield, Virginia. She died three months later. Amazon refused any financial compensation for the family. Pushon Brown, she worked for Amazon Warehouse DDC3 in Springfield, Virginia. She was assigned to the COVID safety department in 2020. She started COVID testing in October 2020, and she died January 8, 2021. Her name is Pushon Brown, B-R-O-P-R-O-U-S-H-A-W-N. B-R-O-W-N, Brown. So the first union labor building is named after my sister. So anytime you guys Google that building, you cannot do that without Googling Pushon Brown, okay? So I want everybody to share this story, tell a friend, tell a thousand friends. I need justice for my sister. I need justice for my niece. She worked for Amazon for four years. She had no business COVID testing. She was not a doctor. She was not a licensed professional, and she was not a nurse. She had no medical training. So please, I need everyone to pass her story around and Google her name. That's my sister, my baby sister. We were just a year apart. On the 17th, she'll be 40 years old. She worked at Amazon to the day she died. When I was writing this letter, somebody asked me, well, they said, well, you should put former employee. She's not a former employee. She didn't quit Amazon. She didn't get fired. She still fucking worked for Amazon. She died January 7th. She, she died January 8th. She worked for it's Amazon. Her last day was January 7th. They didn't fire her and she didn't quit. She's still that fucking employee. Say her name and pass her story around. Tina Brown, whose sister Pushan Brown died of COVID-19 three months after being assigned to Amazon's COVID-19 testing team at a warehouse in Springfield, Virginia. And in New York, activists struck at what they say is a too cozy relationship between Amazon and local and state politicians. In June, the state legislature passed a measure known as the Warehouse Workers Protection Act, similar to a bill recently signed by Governor Gavin Newsom in California. But in New York, Governor Kathy Hochul, who apparently promised to sign the bill on Labor Day, that's today, has been sitting on the law refusing to sign. State Senator Jessica Ramos. Happy Labor Day to all workers in New York and across the country who are organizing for better lives, for better wages, for better working conditions. We are so proud of Starbucks workers, of Amazon workers, and all workers who are uniting to make their voice heard, to ensure that their bosses give them the dignity and respect on the job that every single human being deserves. In the last few weeks of the legislative session here in New York State, 
in the New York State Senate and Assembly to regulate the production quotas that are inhumanely imposed on Amazon workers here in New York and across the country. We had Chris and a couple of the workers meet with our majority leader, meet with the Assembly Speaker, all to move this bill quickly, and we won. We did the work. But today, we need Kathy Hochul to stand up for workers too. We need Kathy Hochul to sign the Warehouse Worker Protection Act today. We cannot afford to lose any more workers. An injury to one worker is an injury to all workers. State Senator Jessica Ramos. The rally culminated on the Red Steps in Times Square where other union leaders spoke in support of the warehouse workers. A teacher from the Bronx slammed Mayor Eric Adams, who she says is blocking the start of negotiations with the teachers union as he plans massive cuts to education. The UFT, our contract ends on September 13th. We have not had a single contract negotiating team meeting. I know because I'm on the team. The mayor is sitting everybody's contract out to let everybody expire so that we're basically fucked. So I want everyone to say, Ooh, fuck to Eric Adams! No fuck Eric Adams! Adam. Let's go to Basic Mountain! No contract, no peace! No contract, no peace! And David Galarza of the Communication Workers Union blasted the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. He says busted a union in Puerto Rico. It is shameful, shameful that the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers went to Puerto Rico to break the local independent union. Bring that back to your bosses. Bring that back to your unions. You don't f***ing break a union, especially another union, because union busting is disgusting. Union busting is disgusting. Union busting is disgusting. On behalf of over 3 million Boricuas that represent labor in Puerto Rico, whether they be an organized labor or not, but who work every single day to bring bread and fruit and vegetables and whatever they can to their families. We ask you to stand in solidarity with Puerto Rico because they also suffer from the same venom that Jeff Bezos is spitting out. The Puerto Rico Electric and Irrigation Industry Workers Union has been fighting a move by the island's government to privatize the electrical grid and break up one of the strongest unions in the United States' long-held Caribbean colony. The new owner of Puerto Rico's electrical system, Luna, is based in Houston. In more local news, last week an NYPD officer slugged a teenage woman as they arrested her boyfriend on a Harlem street. 19-year-old Tammany Crum of the Bronx hit the sidewalk hard after confronting an officer identified as NYPD Detective Kendo Kinsey. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. You hit up, man. Please, 
Over the weekend, despite the outcry from neighbors that the tough tactics were uncalled for, the mayor supported the cops. Don't endanger yourself and don't endanger other officers and don't endanger the public. At a safe distance, you can video what the officers are doing, but you should never go inside a scene of apprehension. And if you look at the video, the young lady was inches away from the person who was armed with that gun. She, that action endangered those police officers. And you can't do that as a civilian. And I, I take my hat off to those who apprehended the suspect, who showed great restraint uh, to do so without discharging their weapons, who followed the rules and kept their video cameras on. That's why we know what happened there. Originally charged with a felony, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office reduced the charges to a misdemeanor count of obstructing governmental administration. Crum was released without bail. And the mayor today questioned why he wasn't informed about arsenic being discovered in the drinking water in the Reese housing projects in the Lower East Side, where major construction of an unpopular flood resiliency project is going on. If the mayor had been listening to the news of Paul DiRienzo a year ago, he would have known about the high arsenic concentrations in the local soil. The arsenic comes from decades of rat poison being spread in the area. Adams said, I found out Friday. We're doing a review to find out when the Department of Environmental Protection was aware because there should have been a natural step of notification. They've been aware for more than a year, according to this news program. Arsenic can cause nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and dehydration. Long-term exposure to the chemical can lead to skin disorders, diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. And on September 21st, 2021, a year ago, Hurricane Ida barreled through the five boroughs. The storm claimed the lives of 13 residents of the Queens and Brooklyn. 11 died in illegal basement apartments as floodwaters surged. The storm unleashed flash flooding in the city for the first time. A tornado hit New Jersey and much of the subway system was closed. It may have been caused by a warming climate. Mayor Eric Adams marked the occasion by presenting his plan for climate change resiliency. Today, as we acknowledge uh, Hurricane Ida, and it was the heaviest rainfall in our recorded history uh, flooding our streets and subways and basements in the city. It had a major, major impact on, uh, on us. I'll never forget that day being out uh, looking through the streets and watching the Brooklyn Bridge flood. For the first time in my life, I experienced that. The bridge had to be closed down because of the flooding. Our neighbors were victims of climate change. 13 New Yorkers uh, died. Uh, in their basement apartments uh, due to flooding. Uh, this traumatized our city. But climate change is bringing longer droughts, stronger storms, and heavier rainfalls to, place, rainfalls to places all over the globe. We're witnessing right now what's happening in Pakistan as we see the heavy rainfalls. Uh, to what is happening in Europe with the dry roadbeds. Uh, this is real and it's no place of denial. The mayor made another interesting point. The mayor made another interesting point. Was the attention given to coastal resiliency a mistake? Now the threat is coming from above. Ida was not from coastal areas. We thought we can build higher walls, 
but Mother Nature showed us it was more than just uh, higher sea levels. Uh, this came from rain inwards, Crown Heights, and other parts of our city that historically did not deal with flooding was impacted uh, by this rainfall. Climate change is not something we can fight on our own. As I stated, it's a team effort. And this team broke in across every city agency, uh, every level of government. We're focused on one thing, and that's GSD, get stuff done. And we have to get it done in an expeditious but thorough manner. One of the mayor's plans is to buy out homes in the path of predicted floods. Queensboro President Donovan Richards. I do think the city needs to create um, some permanent infrastructure around uh, rebuilding homes. This is not going to be the last time we see a crisis of this magnitude. Uh, you look at how many 90-degree days we've seen. Uh, we're on record to either surpass or, or be just at the same line as Atlanta, which is something we've never seen in New York City. So I, I believe that it's going to cost the city more in the long run if we don't figure out a way to assist these homeowners. And not to, not to say the federal government doesn't have a larger responsibility here. FEMA has created such red tape, and I'm not saying they haven't done better this time. I, I lived through Sandy, so I want to say that they were much better in getting into communities this time. But the bureaucracy and the amount of dollars that they're setting aside for residents is not going to technically help them rebuild across this borough. It wouldn't be the first time after Hurricane Sandy, the state of New York launched a $276 million program to buy out homes in Staten Island. And that's the news for Monday, September 5th, 2022. The news was produced, written, and anchored by myself, Paul DiRienzo. You can hear this program at pauldirienzo.com. Through Apple Podcasts at soundcloud.com, search the news with Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.